We all have dreams. Some people seem to live theirs while others seem to struggle. This is, however, merely a perception. What if you could get the answers you needed to execute on your dreams? Welcome to the Platinum Mask Podcast, a show designed to ask various young professionals just how they deal with their specific ups and downs. How does one young upstart navigate competing with name brand companies? Where do we get the best tools? How do we grow from our stress and anxiety? Most importantly, how do we properly utilize our cash flow? The Platinum Mask Podcast with your host, Grayson Mask. We wanted answers, so we're going out to get them and sharing them with you. Let's get right into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Checking out the Deep Plan Mask podcast. I am Grayson Mask. I have with me Jamie Willer, who is the president and founder of Austin's Autistic Adventures, or A3. And this was a organization that kind of popped up to me, um, really been trying to do definitely a lot more kind of nonprofit work as well as kind of uh, local initiatives in the DFW area. And honestly, saw this through other kind of DFW publications. I thought this idea was something that I've never actually touched up upon about kind of uh, autistic ventures and autism and just kind of really subjects related to that. And yeah, didn't really know too much about it and, you know, reached out and really wanted to just thank you again, Jamie, for being able to come on and be able to explain not just like how you got involved with the organization and kind of founding, but really just kind of uh, upcoming projects with it and, you know, what you've learned. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's my favorite subject to talk about. And I would love for more families who have older teens and adults on the spectrum to know about us and the social opportunities and the job training programs that exist through our organization. For sure. Well, I guess I wanted to um, really just kind of first ask about, you know, specifically, um, you know, with Austin. So, uh, yeah. So what was kind of the, I guess, like the original I was kind of wondering on like what ages, um, you know, autism, like typically diagnosed at? Well, it's getting better as, as you uh, may or may not be aware that uh, cases of autism are now one in about 53, which seems incredible to me when my daughter was born, it was um, one in 5,000 or so. She was born in 1997. So in just 25 years, um, I am not a math major. <laughs> if I was, I wouldn't be doing social work. But um, yeah, it's, it's a lot. And I think that's due to a couple of factors. I think there is increased awareness, increased diagnosis, and the, I guess, uh, acceptance that the, it really is a spectrum disorder, which didn't mean a lot to me before I started this organization. I knew a few people other than my daughter who had autism, but I, I didn't understand how even somebody who is very um, nonverbal and perhaps has some behaviors that are problematic still has things in common uh, cognitively with somebody who's able to drive and go to college, or perhaps people are familiar with the comic Hannah Gadsby, who famously um, came out as autistic um, a few years ago. So that's been the biggest eye opener to me. And it's been really hopeful within the group. So if I have a nonverbal, um, I'm going to call them kids because they're all kids to me. They're not children. But um, if I have a nonverbal member who's having some 
uh, a hard day or something's going on and upsetting them, I can often have one of our verbal members ask them or just know intuitively what's wrong with them. So I hope that answers your question in a roundabout way, but I think just the acceptance that it is not just severe people with autism who may not be able to toilet train or, or self-harm or the people that you also famously see like Rain Man or Temple Brandon or other very high functioning people with autism. There's, there's a whole wide in between. And that's really what my foundation serves is that in between period or segment. Yeah, I was very curious on like um, on like when you're touching up on like some of the social cues or some of the, uh, I guess, characteristics related to autism. I was kind of wondering on, you know, what are some like of the typical or the most seen characteristics um, when, you know, when someone's, uh, I guess, mm-hmm. making that diagnosis or seeing someone with autism? Right. And that reminds me that I didn't answer the earlier part of your question about the diagnoses. Um, it's getting earlier and earlier. My daughter was not diagnosed until she was seven and a half, even though she has like 12 of the most common features of autism. Um, I'm sure somebody can look this up. I probably should have before. But just from personal experience, it's things like um, sensitivity to sound, sensitivity to light, Um, difficulty with social interaction from a very early age. For example, um, when my daughter was three and children were learning how to, instead of parallel play, come together to play, my daughter was still very much in her own little world, wanted to parallel play, um, had bad eye contact. Um, That's probably one of the more famous um, uh, traits of autism. I should say is lack of eye contact. Um, poor speech development was also something for us. My daughter had had um, what is known as echolalia, where you say something like, do you want a cookie? And she would say, do you want a cookie? So she could talk, but she didn't necessarily form conversations well and still has difficulty with that. So I guess if you are a young parent looking for some things to watch for, and by no means am I saying that if you see these things, they absolutely have autism. They don't. These are some things that some children just grow out of developmentally. It's not a reason for panic, in my opinion, but if you see at least two or three of these pronounced symptoms that I'm talking about, and once again, that's lack of speech development, lack of appropriate social play, eye contact, um, My daughter doesn't have this, but a lot of uh, people on the spectrum will flap hands or feet or walk in a very tiptoe manner. So if you see any of those things, it might be time to consult your physician. When you you touched up on the situation of um, like when she repeats the words of uh, like, do you want a cookie or do you want a cookie? Mm -hmm. So like in the school system, do people with... uh, I guess any type of autism, are they typically uh, aligned with a like a speech pathologist in school? Well, I can only speak from my personal experience. My daughter did t- attend speech therapy. It helped um, somewhat, I guess. Um, there's all kinds of, everybody that has a child on the spectrum will go through lots of therapy, especially if you're involved in your, your public school system, I guess, that you'll get occupational therapy, speech therapy, um, Oh, I'm trying. I'm sorry. I'm blanking on some of the other ones, but there's there's a lot of different things that are in place 
for younger people with autism, which is a very good sign. None of these things were much available to my child when she was coming up, but um, the schools are beginning to understand how to approach and treat young students with autism. Unfortunately, that is not true post high school. And even honestly, from, and again, just my personal experience, high school was difficult. Um, we, we pretty much knew she was not going to be able to go to college. We pretty much knew she wasn't a, going to be able to have a job. So um, that's why I started my foundation. And so kind of like going into the school system, like when you're kind of mentioning with Austin's, uh, I guess like with some of the components of like not being able to uh, kind of being in your own world and not being able to jump into social groups. So it was like, I guess, forming friendships or like social groups hard, like through middle school and high school. Oh, it's hard for all. Yes, especially it gets worse, you know, because be middle school and high school girls and boys both both find their kind of tribe, you know, and it's it's my daughter when she was 16 still wanted to talk about Sesame Street obsessively. And, you know, 16 year old girls are pretty much not going to want to talk about Sesame Street. So, um, you know, she began hitting those kind of roadblocks developmentally, which isolated her more. Um, one of the things that we make a really big deal of in my foundation is forming those friendships because it's it's important to life, not just for people with autism, for everyone. So we make creating friendships a very strong component of our program. Um, we make birthday parties a big deal. Just to give you an anecdote, my daughter was never invited to a birthday party. Well, I don't think after age six. So, you know, I know it's not common for, you know, people older than that to have birthday parties, but they missed out on it. So. One of the things we do is we hold, we make a big deal out of everybody's birthday. There's always a big party and your friends come and they give you gifts. And it, it's it's been nice to watch those friendships grow. And you kind of mentioned like uh, with this, with friendships being such a big part of this organization and kind of that being such a vital part of like high school and being able to form kind of unique friendships. So when was like, was there a specific moment where you realized that this organization wasn't something you're going to find somewhere else? Like during, mm-hmm. this, yeah, during this time, were there like any type of alternatives when it came to socializing someone on the spectrum? Uh, yeah, in a word, no, there were not. Um, my daughter uh, was very social in high school. That's a misconception about people with autism is that they don't want to be around other people. I cannot tell you how untrue that is. Um, but with Austin, she was very involved in choir. She was a soloist. Um, even though she was quirky and you know wanted to talk about things too young, she had a lot of friends who looked out for her and ate lunch with her and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, the second she graduated, that was that was all over. It was gone. And one day, everything was gone. But a year before that, I had a little bit of a premonition that things were probably not going to be great. I went to a conference, a special needs, like post-high school kind of conference at Collin College. And there was a girl there who was not autistic. She had cerebral palsy, I believe. But she got up to speak and just started just tears running down her face, telling her how, telling the audience how bored and lonely she was after high school. And this is somebody who um, had a good brain, right? She was just isolated physically. 
and I'm sorry, I'm going to upset people by saying good brain. I don't mean it like that. I mean, just a neurotypical brain. Things were easier in that way. But for my daughter, they were more difficult. So we getting back to your question. I promise I am. Uh, <laughs> there were a couple of like um, rec centers that would have like a special needs dance. And that was fine. But it was once a month or once a quarter. It wasn't people exclusively on the spectrum. And I'll talk more about why that's important later. Um, we had tried a day hab. If you don't know what a day hab means, you are lucky. A day hab means that after high school, it's kind of like adult daycare. That's all it that's all it means. So we looked for several of those because at the time I was still teaching and I didn't know what to do with her. So we tried one after researching several that I would not put anyone in. We found one that was very expensive for our budget. But we wanted to, we didn't see that we had any alternatives. That it was it. It was the only game in town. So we put her in and she just spiraled. We saw behaviors from her that we had not seen in years and years. Something was going wrong. Um, so I, to make a long story short, which is not possible at this point, I, I had to take her out of there because there were so many other people with different special needs. And again, nothing against people who have other issues. But for my daughter, it was like a cacophony of noise all the time. It was chaotic. She was overwhelmed with other people's um, needs and wants. And um, so I I had to take her out of there. Um, So at that point, it was, well, she can stay home all day by herself while I teach in her room with her computer And, you know, some kind of random supervision or I have to think of something else. I knew I could not possibly be alone in my need because my daughter went through the transition program post high school, which in Richardson, where I lived at the time, was three hours a day. And it was not adequate for what there was. There was no job she was really trained to have. And let me explain again. I think the school systems are doing the best with the resource they resources that they have. But one of the jobs she was put in was working at a hospital. And I thought, great, she's so sociable. That will help keep her spirits up. She'll feel useful. But instead of having her do that sort of things, they had her blacking out address labels on magazines for hours. And that made her autistic symptoms or symptoms behaviors worse, not better, because I think this is, I realize I'm kind of going roundabout, but um, one of the things that TWC and school systems, I think, do not get about older people with autism is that even though they may appear to like repetitive jobs, They only like it for a few minutes on their schedule, but if you force them to keep doing it, that makes their behaviors increase, not decrease. So the TWC and school systems say, well, see, we can't even put them in these jobs because they can't handle it, which isn't true. The the truth of the matter is they're not being challenged enough and they don't have enough patience or manpower to sit with that person and really see how to work their autism around a job rather than vice versa, if that makes sense. Um, so that's that part has come much later. At first, I just wanted to improve their social skills, and I wanted my daughter to have friendships and things to look forward to. So all the work stuff has grown out of that original impetus. We 
I decided when I set out to do this, that we were going to meet five days a week. Everybody thought I was nuts. They still think I'm nuts. Um, we were going to do something different every day so that parents and their adult person on the spectrum would have a variety of things to choose from. We made it affordable because one of the things that I thought was just maddening to me was the expense of anything post high school for any special needs person, not just autism. So while I can't be a day have for people, at least I can have this social outlet and I can make it be affordable. So I was committed to keeping our event prices at twenty to 10 to $20 for two hours a day. And I also wanted a flexibility for families. So, um, geez, I realize I haven't had taken a breath in 10 minutes, but, uh, um, um, one of the things I wanted for families was flexibility because even with my relatively flexible schedule as a college professor, it, it still takes, we call it adult Tetris. You take them there. I take them here. We pick them up there. So I wanted for that families to have that flexibility of what fit into their schedule so that they could attend hopefully two to three times a week. So that was the beginning of the program um, in 2017. Um, I started in January of 2017 with those three goals in mind, flexibility, affordability, and frequency. And so that's where it started. That's why it started. And that's where we're going. I was very, yeah. I mean, I was very curious. Uh, No, I was very curious on like the, the part where, you're kind of mentioning on, you know, a lot of the alternatives. I mean, not just were some of them expensive, mm-hmm. but kind of mentioning that they had kind of a one size fits all approach where kind of on, you know, they're including kind of every type of special mm-hmm. needs. I was mm-hmm. really curious on like the classifications of, I'm always hearing, uh, I mean, I was very curious on like if autistic and autism are the same thing. And like, I always hear things like, um, like if Asperger's is the same thing or if it's a different classification, like what are the, um, you know, different terms um, on the spectrum? Okay. Now, first of all, I want to preface this by saying I am in no way a, a doctor or know every single fact. So if I get it wrong, please don't send me your Grayson emails. Okay. So uh, as I understand it, Asperger's has been absorbed into the DSM's general definition of autism. It used to be a separate classification with Asperger's um, being set off as more capable in many ways, could hold jobs, could go to college, could have basic um, conversations or sometimes more than basic conversations. There are plenty of people who who do, but it used to be a separate classification. So now it, it... it is that whole, like I said, that whole realizing it's all a spectrum. I think it comes out of that because I think the longer scientists and neurologists and whomever study autistic brains, they realize that they have more in common and that designation isn't so longer necessary. Now, from the way autistic people wish to speak of themselves, that's a whole nother ball game. And I guess I kind of look at that as like the whole pronoun things. If that, if you want to say I'm an autistic person, that's fine. If you want to say I have autism, that's fine too. I think the preference is probably for the latter, not the former, but you would need to ask 
um, each person with autism. It doesn't take that long. How do you prefer to be addressed if I speak about your autism? That's all. Um, let's see. Um, what else? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, like, uh, and like on the classification and, and kind of like another part of like um, when Austin's in one of these alternative programs, you're kind of mentioning um, some of the kind of uh, negative characteristics coming out more than ever um, being yeah, in those yeah. type of situations. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, um, you know, what you meant by that on like what, uh, you know, what type of characteristics. Oh, were sure. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause I forget people don't know, actually know these things. <laughs> um, yeah. She started head banging her head against the wall. Um, not a good sign. She started biting her own wrists really hard, which are two ways that I, she, it's two things she has done since she was a toddler that had been absolutely extinguished. We hadn't seen that happen in many, many years. She started losing her conversational ability, which granted was not fabulous to begin with, but um, she was answering back and forth questions fairly well. And by week three, all she would do is script. People with autism will know that that means people that do not. It means that they memorize whatever TV shows, radio songs, poems, whatever comforts them. It's a, it's called a stim, which is short for stimulating. So her stim behaviors were going just crazy through the roof. I mean, she was it was scary. It was really scary. And as soon as I took her out, we saw it took about three weeks to get her back. So I'm, I know I did the right thing by taking her out of that. Now, again, full disclaimer, if it's good for your child, God bless you. That's great. For my daughter, it was not. And I thought as much as I have been an advocate for autism and been involved in autistic communities for a quarter of a century now, um, like I said, I figured I could not be the only one. There had to be other people out there that, you know, needed this respite from, you know, from their child's loneliness, basically. It's, it's a horrible thing. People with autism do not wish to be isolated, really. They, ha- they do need their downtimes, like a lot of introverts will be aware of. My daughter has about four to five hours a day in her. <laughs> and then we come home and um, she will absolutely slam her bedroom door in your face mid-sentence if she's had enough. So, as a uh, as a fellow introvert, I could definitely understand those moments. I, I think a lot of people can, right? But and I kind of compare her ability to keep it together to a person that has Tourette's, right? They maybe they can keep their tics under control, but once they get home and they're in a safe environment, I don't ask her because often to come out and try to be a neurotypical, right? Which is what we ask them to do. I explain to people. Um, who are considering joining our group. I said, listen, I know we're not a day have. I know we can't help you all day long, but imagine it this way. What if the entire world was on the spectrum and there were only 10% of you in the whole world that were what we call neurotypicals, right? How good would it be for you to come two hours, four hours, six hours a week and be able to speak to other people who speak your language? That's how it is for our kids. They come together and you can literally, I wish I could show you, you could literally see their shoulders relax, their facial facial muscles relax. The parents too, because we have to constantly kind of 
I, I like like if like kind of like hockey with them, right? You got to keep them out of people's way. You got to keep them to talking to strangers. You got to explain their behaviors. Why is he barking like a dog? Well, I don't know. He feels like barking like a dog today. <laughs> you know, we don't have to explain that to each other. So we relax too. And they relax with their friends because they don't have to put on this pretense of, I'm doing air quotes here, of normalcy, right? So that that's that's what our program has done is giving people those 10 hours a week where they can choose however many hours of, uh, sorry, my ankle's hurting, um, however many breaks they need that week. For parents that come to our, our group frequently and we are well acquainted with their kids, sometimes they'll say, listen, I just need to sit in my car and read for two hours. Um, I know you, we've been talking a lot about what happens in schools, but I really want to impress on people how difficult this is for families after high school, because most of us, like me, are in their 40s, 50s. We are of working age. We can't just, what are we supposed to do with our children, especially if you're not wealthy, you know? So, um, yeah, that's, I hope that's part of that question. <laughs> no, like, and like, on when kind of parents are getting involved and like some of these events were going on, mm-hmm. was it, I guess like I originally kind of asked on like the moment that you knew that this was needed, but was there a moment that you knew that this organization would have momentum or success behind it? Was it? Oh my gosh. Like, it was, you want to talk about terrifying. It was really terrifying. Like I said, I left my career that I had studied for for eight, 10 years longer and then taught for 15, 17 years after that. But I just knew I had to go in all or nothing. I couldn't keep teaching at a professional level when my daughter needed me so much and other people needed me so much. Um, I thought, I hoped. So I put together a very rudimentary presentation, presented it to some people. They thought it was a good idea. But um, my real break came when a friend of mine, Mark Gordon, shout out Mark, um, he he put a bug in the ear of somebody at the Dallas Morning News who did a big, big story on their Sunday paper and their art section, which I hope they still have. <laughs> And um, that that put the word in a few people's ears. But let me tell you, it was touch and go there for a couple of years. It was really hard. But I have a lot of friends and family who supported us and made sure that we stayed around. And um, it was basically just me kind of going Marco Polo for years, even after the story. Just I'm here. I'm here. I'm here trying to, you know, blanket social media, let people know. But um yeah, we started out that first year. I think we ended with uh, nine members. We started out with two, including my daughter, three. Um, suffered through that for about six months, picked up nine. And um, now we have 172 families enrolled. They're not all active. I don't want to give the impression that we have 172 kids there, but we have 172 families who either take part partake of our organization very actively and then we have lots of others that just like, hey, I signed up a year ago. We want to come in and play board games or we want to go swimming. And that's cool, too. We're here for when you when we need you or when you need us. Sorry. Um, but our hope is that you will continue to come a couple of times a week so that those foundations can build up so that you will have a happier smoother family life and now we hope to 
extend that to being self-sufficient, whether their member ends up working with us at our store forever or they build their skills and want to go somewhere else, that's great too. Can like an organization like this, I guess, form partnerships with, uh, have you guys approached like um, school systems or colleges as far as like their, um, any like students with autism? We have, um, we have done that and we are going to be pursuing that more. I don't, I haven't talked about the store a lot yet, but we just got our first brick and mortar resale store up and running June, June 25th. And a week later I broke my leg. So it has been um, slow going for the last couple of months, but yes, we are going to, we have done um, high school um, special needs seniors outreach. We are desperately looking for um, corporate sponsorships. So if anyone out there has a contact or could um, help us with money for job training, for operational expenses, um, we would really be appreciative. And hopefully Grayson can put um, our contact information on somewhere when we're done with this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was definitely interested on like on the concept behind that retail space. I mean, it (laughs) seems like, um, uh, you know, one of the articles on your guys' website was kind of talking about, you know, some of the job training with, um, you know, with uh, members with autism. So, uh, you know, how has that program been going like? And, you know, are you optimistic when it comes to trying to find new alternatives for kind of like job placement? Yes. And I'm, I'm looking to change the way employers think about hiring people on the spectrum. So we have a very well thought out, I think I wrote it, but a job training program in which they have to pass six certifications. They have to pass four of them to be employed, but there's another two that they can earn for raises. If they wish to stay with us forever, they can. A lot of our members have been in the group for five years. They don't want to go anywhere else right now. um, And that's fine. If they feel like, you know, they've been at the store for a while and they're ready for a new challenge, they will have all of those skills mastered to work in any retail space, not just a resale shop. So that's part of that. And I just want to um, say one more thing about that. Uh, of this, the six things that they have to earn, everyone must be proficient in all of them. So some of our higher functioning ties, and I'm sorry, I know that's not the right terminology, but I don't know how else to explain it. Um, they won't always just be the ones at the register. Even our nonverbal guys are the ones that may have other issues that affect their cognition. We'll do hand over hand with them at the register for as long as they have to so that everybody feels like they are valued in every part of the store. And of course, that'll include stocking and cleaning and hanging and tagging and all the things you would do in any store, right? So um, that's how we, we want to change that focus. Um, the problem with job training and many of the offerings through TWC or whomever, they only provide them a shadow for so long, um, like two weeks, a month, if you're lucky. And then you either understand how to do your job or you don't. The problem with autism is, and people like my daughter who are so in their heads all the time, they're going to need a shadow always. They will always need redirecting. They will always need reprompting we will do that for them if that's what they need you know a lot of our guys I can think of four off the top of my head that I think once they feel confident in our store they will be able to go elsewhere one of the things that you asked me to address before you sent um, 
your email was the percentage of adults who are uh, unemployed on the spectrum. Uh, recent Forbes article, April 21st, 2021 says 85% of adults on the spectrum are not employed. So um, we probably won't be able to make much of a dent in that, but at least in our area of the world, we can. And we do think our entire program, program is replicable anywhere. So that's some of the outreach that I will be doing public speaking and like appearing on podcasts like yours and fundraising. Um, the other way that we hope to employ our adults on the spectrum is that many have an incredibly, I didn't kindly rephrase that, an incredible gift for creative work. So they have been taking professionals, taking art lessons from professional artists for six years now. One of the artists we work with is very well known in the DFW area. His name is Tom Sale. Um, I'm sure a lot of people will prick up their ears when they hear that. But he teaches our kids art. Um, it's a wonderful thing for us to be able to see them profit from the art that they sell in our gallery. So that is that. Um, we were all going to have all kinds of community events um, at the store for fundraising purposes, a poker nights, blackjack nights, you know, things that we can get the word out. Um, I'm also a part of the artistic community. So I'm bringing, bringing writers in a book club to our store for book club and uh, author chats. Uh, we have art shows both by our own members and by supporting members of the community. So, yep, that's how it's going. Now, a lot of this is kind of speculation because like I said, we have just been over a month and I have been not a part of it for at least two and a half weeks. So but that's the vision anyway. When you kind of mentioned like um, some of the new artists, uh, you know, really high quality, well-known artists and, you know, you're kind of bringing in writers and other mm -hmm. creatives as well. I was mm -hmm. kind of curious on if there's any, you know, if there's any type of professions, any other type of businesses that, um, you know, be on the wish list that you would want to get involved with A3, um, with the retail space. I mean, on this podcast, you know, if anyone's definitely listening on one of those professions, definitely mm -hmm. want to get the word out. Absolutely. Well, thank you for that opportunity. Yeah. Um, the front of our store, and I'll send you pictures of this, Grace, and so you can see what I'm talking about. But the whole front of our store is a very nice gallery space. Um, we would love to exhibit other local artists. My heart is in local art and promoting local artists. So if anybody wants to come do a show, we are happy to have a, a opening for you. It can be exclusively your art. You can pair with another artist. It's up to you. But I would love to bring more talent um, in the Denton and Dallas area to our, our location. So writers, musicians, hey, we, we any, anything you want to do, we have the space to do it in. Um, if you have a, a hobby or a skill or a workplace you can show our members, that is fantabulous. A friend of mine um, from UNT is going to come teach our science class this, um, this coming month. We have a square dance teacher coming to teach a square dance. So anything that you can share is just they just love it. They love being introduced to new things. Um, if, I don't know if you saw my brochure, but on the, in the big middle part, it says um, the best thing that people ever did for me was introducing me to new things. And that's by Temple Grandin, 
probably the most famous autistic person in the world. So um, that's what we try to do. Expose them to new things, offer, have them, whatever you can do is great. Um, Just one last thing and then I'll be quiet. Um, We took a corporate tour of Raising Cane's one time just so the kids could see. They had like a commercial kitchen in there and they saw all the how the administration works and it was really neat. And as a result of that tour, two great things happened. One of our kids um, got hired and he worked there for four years at the corporate offices, not at the restaurant. Um, He was like a gopher. Um, You know, he did a lot of things, uh, like just a general secretary. And then the other great thing about that is I met a man who works at Raising Cane's. Um, his name's Brandon Mays, and he runs a bass fishing company or nonprofit, I should say. And he has supported our organizations through for three years with a bass uh, fishing campaign. And then he takes our group out in kayaks once a year, all for free. So, you know, those kinds of community connections, you just never know. So, um I, d- I just love that the way the community is being woven together in just unexpected ways all the time. Like you, I don't know how you found me. So that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like on uh, kind of with like the retail space, I was kind of curious again um, with the kind of job training, uh, like on the certifications, uh-huh. you know, was there something, a part of the certification process that was, a little more difficult to, um, you know, overcome than others. Cause it's kind of, uh, I mean, it's definitely wild to me. Like when you're mentioning on like the 85% of unemployment, but at Mm -hmm. the same time, like some of the top celebrities that we know about are either claims or, you know, under speculation of being on the spectrum, you know, that seems Mm -hmm. like a massive discrepancy. So I was kind of wondering on that, on that certification process, um, with, uh, the retail shop. Well, we're still undergoing it. Um, this we just the, we have our fifth class this Wednesday, and then the sixth class. They don't pass them all at one time. We just introduce them to each certification and what they're required to do to pass the certification. Um, two of our volunteers have to agree that the uh, student has passed, and it doesn't mean that they have to do it totally unsupported if they can do the task with. Um, a, I don't want to say minimal amount, but a reasonable amount of uh, oversight, that's okay too. But they, we want to give them goals to work towards. It's not just going to be handed to you. You will have to learn how to do these things. So uh, that's still in the process, but it seems to be working well. They really like to work towards a goal. Everybody does. Um, And then they'll, of course, they'll get their certificate at the end of each one, and they'll have a graduation ceremony when they complete at least four of the six. Does that answer your question or no? <laughs> not no, no. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, again, like, um, I mean, not just being able to kind of learn on one aspect of the business, but it seems like they're getting a, you know, full 360 understanding of being in a yeah. retail location. Um, honestly, just wanted to, to kind of wrap everything up. I really just wanted to ask if there was any upcoming projects either associated with the retail space or with uh, Austin's Autistic Adventures in general um, coming yeah. up, that, you know, you're excited about and want to be prepared for? Yes. Um, actually, there's an, a couple of things. I'm hoping my computer will cooperate. Um, just one second. 
Okay, so um, upcoming September 23rd and September 24th, it's going to be a big weekend for us. On the 23rd, we have our first book club meeting, and the book is Tereen Moon. It's T-E-R-R-E-N-E Moon by Moxie, M-O-X-I-E, T period Anderson. I've known her real, that's her pen name. Her real name is Max. I've known her a very, very long time. And it's her first novel. It's set in Louisiana and it's kind of a fun vampire, werewolf, witch kind of thing. So I'm kind of getting towards the Halloween season. So she will be zooming in from Saudi Arabia to talk to us at that event. Uh, we will have uh, wine and hors d'oeuvres and just like everything a book club would have. You can either choose to attend in person at the store or you can come in via Zoom yourself. Then the 24th, we have our first official art show by one of our members, Travi Burt. And I'll be happy to send you a couple of images. Travi freehand draws everything. He loves to draw from photographs. So we'll be showing you how he does that and some of his very, very detailed pen and ink drawings. That will be a um, formal affair. It will be suit and nice dresses and we will have um, appetizers and champagne and probably we're hoping a poker or blackjack game in the back and of course a silent auction for the art that's there as well. So I know that's a lot, but you can trim that down. The 21st and the, I'm sorry, the 23rd and the 24th, it's our Cajun weekend. We will have all kinds of cool things to do that weekend. We also have an upcoming uh, art project where we are popping out all our ceiling tiles and allowing donors to paint whatever they would like to paint on one of our ceiling tiles, uh, family name, your pet, if you'd like to draw rainbows, whatever, that's fine. Um, we will have those available for $50 a piece, and there are a lot of them. So come put your mark on our store and help us out financially, too. So um, there's something going on every day at the store, too, as well. And I'll be happy to send you a calendar instead of talk about everything. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, kind of like you're mentioning, I mean, it seems like a lot of upcoming projects, uh, definitely a lot of like um, creative projects um, with the retail space and with the organization. And no, definitely want to post all those type of links um, for everyone to be able to check out. And definitely want to send over, you know, any type of artist that I know, um, you know, possibly wanting to get involved. But yeah, just wanted to really just thank you again, Jamie, for not being able to just kind of talk about the organization, but honestly be able to explain to me like a lot of uh, kind of this, you know, new type of organization that kind of, you know, wasn't really seen around like uh, kind of before and, you know, kind of being able to understand autism and the spectrum and, you know, some of the kind of uh, business and career complications and setbacks that it can have. Um, you know, it seems like the organization is doing a lot to create um, new initiatives for this group. And, you know, I'm definitely excited to see these upcoming projects you guys have set up. Well, thank you. I really appreciate your patience with me. And like I said, I'm, I can talk passionately forever. So I hope I didn't talk your ear off from going to, on too many tangents. No, I always tell people, I'm like, that just means you're passionate about what you do. It's all good. Well, as a former professor, I can tell you I much prefer the over talkers to the non talkers. So edit away, but at least you have. No, definitely. <laughs> you know what it's like to try to pull information out of someone, I'm sure. 
Yes, I don't yes, want to name. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I don't want to name names, but yeah, I 100 understand what you're talking about. <laughs> I do too. I was like, yes, yes, please answer my question. Somebody answer it. Yes, I get it. Okay. Well, thank you again, and let me know where I can send or when you need the links and stuff. Bye. Definitely. Okay. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Platinum Mask Podcast. Stay connected with us directly through the PlatinumMask.com. You can also join the discussion on Instagram at GrayMask12. If you would like to speak with us, please send us an email through maskgrayson at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Don't forget to like and subscribe to stay fully up to date. Until next time, raise a glass to success, no matter how you define it.